28 to 13. That was the final between Syracuse and Pitt. What a season it's been for the Panthers, and I don't mean that in a good way. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon and a good evening to you. This is a fresh episode of the H2P podcast right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. My name is Corey Crisson. I am recording from my hotel in Newark, New Jersey, after taking a rather lengthy subway and train ride over from Yankee Stadium. After watching Pitt give up one 382 rushing yards to Syracuse, it's the highest total that the Orange have rushed for against the Football Bowl subdivision opponent in Dino Baber's eight seasons at the Hall at Cuse. Where has this team gone? How did we get here? Those are the questions that I think you're asking and that you want answered. And the question that I have for Pat Narduzzi is simple, but yet it's convoluted. What are you going to do to set yourself up for 2024? Because that's what this is about right now. There's no mincing words when I say this. This was an awful performance from the pit defense. Dan Villari, okay? Let me repeat that name for you just one more time. Dan Villari, Villari, however you pronounce it. 17 carries, 154 yards, and a rushing touchdown. You might think to yourself, those are really good rushing numbers, Corey. And I go, yes, they are. What if I told you, though, that Dan Villari is a tight end who used to play quarterback and was signed and played quarterback at Michigan before transferring to Syracuse and switching positions? LaQuint Allen, 28 carries, 102 yards. Garrett Schrader, the orange quarterback, 14 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown. And heck, even the backup running back, Juwan Price, got involved. Five carries, 28 yards in his limited role. Syracuse rushed for 382 yards. Pass for 17 yards. Between Valeri and Schrader, four of eight, 17 yards, one touchdown. Schrader completed one of two passes. The starting quarterback for this Syracuse team completed one of two passes, and they still won the football game. This is a total, epic, unmitigated collapse by the Panthers. The ACC championship, you can never take it away. And yet it feels like it was so long ago, doesn't it? It feels like that was a lifetime ago compared to where this football team, pit football team is right now. Christian Veyer turned it over three times. He threw an interception in which he stared down Kenny Johnson. I watched the entire play because at Yankee Stadium, the way they had it lined up was if you're in the press box, you're seeing end zone to end zone. You're not looking at um, a specific part of the field going horizontal. You're looking at the field vertical. So you can see things when teams are going away from you and when the ball is on your side of the field, you can see them quite well. And the sight lines in that stadium are hard to get in and of themselves. But this particular play I saw very clearly with my own two eyes. Kenny Johnson goes out for a route. 
Kanate Mumfield comes underneath him. Christian Veyer stares down. And I mean stares down. Kenny Johnson. And then throws a interception right into the hands of freshman cornerback Jaden Bellamy. And let me tell you, Bellamy didn't have to make much of a play on it. He just didn't. All he had to do was read Veyer's eyes and go where the football is. But the thing is, even though that interception was returned for the touchdown, I would argue that wasn't Veyer's worst mistake. Not once, but twice, does the quarterback fumble exchanges between himself and the running back. Whether he's supposed to keep those or not, whether he's supposed to give them away, one way or another, there was a miscommunication with Kenny Johnson, and the second one, I believe, was to Rodney Hammond. Two fumbles, two turnovers, and you add in the pick six, and Syracuse scores 21 points off of four pit turnovers, and the fourth pit turnover, the Rodney Hammond fumble, resulted in the end of the game. So a 15-point game in which a pick six was recorded and you fumbled away essentially your final shot. Now look, I don't want to paint this into it was only two plays away from being close because quite frankly, I don't think it was. When you give up a grand total of 382 rushing yards, rushing yards, Syracuse rushed it for 5.8 yards per carry. They ran 74 plays, and they rushed the ball 66 times. And Pitt couldn't stop it. There were times where I think everybody in the stadium, all 17-some-on thousand, had packed into Yankee Stadium, which was majority orange, by the way. And, and Syracuse did, did give up a home game for this, so credit to them for showing up. I think everybody except the seventh, in, uh, among the 17,000 that were in that building knew that Syracuse was going to run it virtually every play besides Pat Narduzzi. Now listen, I understand the work Pat Narduzzi has done here at Pitt. I understand the prestige the program achieved with him at the helm. And notice how I'm speaking about that in past tense because right now they're not achieving much. I don't think Pat Narduzzi gets fired because of this season. But I'll tell you one thing that I do know for certain, and this isn't insider tips. This isn't me speaking to people behind closed doors and getting this answer. This is just pure common sense at this stage. This pit coaching staff was 100% retained going into this season. I would imagine that is not the case going into 2024. Because not right now, that that's what this is about. It's about preparing for 2024. It's about getting Christian Veyer or Nate Yarnell or whoever is going to play quarterback ready to play quarterback for that season. You don't go into the transfer portal for another one. Speaking of transfer portal, who's going to leave? At this stage, it's, it's a floodgate situation. I'm not saying the whole team's going to transfer out. But also, you got to imagine some are going to leave by this stage if they're not decided that they're gone already. This is just the beginning of what Pitt is going to shape up to be in 2024. And when we get back here on segment two of the H2P podcast, let's talk quarterbacks. 
because I think that's what you want to talk about in the present and the future. All right, segment two here on the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen with you. After a 28-13 Syracuse victory over Pitt, the Panthers are now 2-8. and 1-5 in the ACC. Keep in mind, one of those wins came against Wofford, an FCS opponent, a team that they were going to beat by a lot, that they did beat by a lot. And then came L's in seven out of the next, pardon me, eight out of the next nine. And obviously the start of the season was the Phil Dracovic era as he took over for Keaton Slovis. And I don't want to go too far into that, but needless to say, colossal failure. You switch to Christian Vare, He's shown bright spots. He's shown spots of futility. Let's just call it as it is. And right now, Pat Narduzzi and even Frank Signetti, and we'll get to Frank Signetti in a second. Those two have to determine now who is going to be the guy for the offseason. Because let's face it, in this day and age of college football with the transfer portal and with how recruiting goes to an extent, you got to plan around the quarterback. You got to plan around the future of the franchise, so to speak. Now, if the determination is made that Christian Veyer is still the guy and shows those signs that you believe he has shown, you have to put all of your stock into him. Now, here's the thing about that and why I say that. In the last couple pit blowouts, I shouldn't say blowouts, but... Let's say there were times, two times to be exact, where Christian Vare was pulled from the game in favor of Nate Yarnell. Christian Vare, again, 13 to 22, 161, a touchdown and interception, and he fumbled away two handoffs. Nate Yarnell, three of five, 48 yards. So in limited action, at least Nate Yarnell did that. But don't you find it interesting that if Pat Narduzzi and Frank Signetti, for that matter, were going to commit to Christian Veyer, that they would keep him in in the game in those moments? I would think they would. You have a registered sophomore quarterback who has a half of a season, essentially, under his belt, and you don't want to get him some playing time? And find out that he's the future of the franchise, so to speak. Even after all of this that you went through with Keaton Slovis and Phil Dracovic, don't you want to settle on a quarterback and work on him and develop him and make him out to be the next guy? That's a red flag sign to me. That Christian got pulled twice in these games for Nate Yarnell. Quite frankly, I think it bodes well for Nate Yarnell because at minimum, the powers that be want to see him throw the football. Now, this isn't a Garrett Schrader 
Dan Valari, Carlos Del Rio, Wilson situation like Syracuse has. Schrader was hurt. He did not play last week. And yet he threw two passes, one, two, completed one of them for a touchdown. The first score of the ball game, five-yard touchdown to the other tight end. And then the tight end attempts more passes than the quarterback and leads the team in rushing. And they win the football game by 15. This is not a Syracuse situation. You got to look at Pitt and look at Vare and look at Yarnell and really settle down on somebody. You can't flip, you can't flip flop. You can't sprinkle some flavor into one game and then put a little more flavor in the other because you are not sure of your quarterback situation. Now, why does this happen? Why is it that when Kenny Pickett leaves, in comes the transfer Keith Slovis. Okay, you think about a veteran taking over with veterans. There's residue of the ACC championship. There's still players that you could build around and potentially win and run it back, and then you don't. And the quarterback was a huge reason why Pitt, I guess you could say, only got to the Sun Bowl last year. They didn't get to a New Year's Six. They didn't contend for the college football playoff. They were out of the race. For the ACC, they had a few very good wins. Let's not take away from that 22-pit team. They won the Sun Bowl against the ranked UCLA. They throttled Miami. They they won the backyard brawl, one of the most thrilling backyard brawls ever. Let's not take anything away from that 22 team. But they were a good quarterback away from serious contention. I think that's agreed upon. Then you move into the offseason. And Phil Dracovic becomes available. The Pine Richland kid. Hometown hero vibe. Bring him home. Champion the Whippeal. Get the Whippeal kids home. Only to have him compete for Keaton. And for Keaton to say, I'm good, no thanks, and leave. So now you're creating your own conundrum when you didn't have to. You could have committed to Keaton Slovis. You could have committed to one guy for more than one year. Just like you did to Kenny Pickett, by the way. And it worked with Kenny Pickett, obviously. You had a chance to commit to a guy in Keaton Slovis and you failed to do it. Why do I bring this up? I bring all of that up to say this. Pat Narduzzi, Frank Signetti, the powers that be, cannot afford to do this again. They can't. The staff's going to get turned over in some capacity in the offseason because the offense has been a massive failure. And you have to start with Frank Signetti by this point. It is so clear, crystal clear. The worst scoring offense in the ACC, the worst total offense as far as yards go in the ACC. You can't make those numbers up. If that's how bad this is this year, when you brought in the senior quarterback, the experienced guy, the 23-year-old super-duper-duper senior, what do you think is going to happen under Frank Signetti with an offseason where there's quarterback controversy still? And I only say controversy because, number one, Nate Arnell has now came in in relief Twice for Christian Veyer, including in this game against Syracuse, 
Pat Narduzzi didn't say he was injured, so you can kind of rule that out by this stage. But he comes into this game and plays in a 15-point game, two-score game, which, by the way, was largely because of Vayer. 21 of those 28 points came off of Vayer's turnovers. So, yes, if Vayer stunk up the joint and got pulled for that, that's one thing. And Pat Narduzzi pretty much said after the game, to paraphrase it, we're going to figure out who our quarterback is for Thursday. The old, we're going to watch the tape. Don't know yet who the quarterback is. Isn't that something? Let's go to segment three. Let's talk Frank Signetti Jr. We'll be right back. All right, let's bring it home. Segment three of the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Kristen here with you, recording from my hotel room in Newark, New Jersey, staying across the river, uh, getting out of Dodge, so to speak, when it comes to the New York City traffic. Um, It's about 10, 20 p.m. over here as I sit and pontificate over what I just saw on the baseball field. Uh, no, it was not Yankees Pirates, although uh, 17,000 fans filling the stands might have looked like uh, either one. 28-13 to 13 was the final score in favor of Syracuse over Pitt. And it's more of the blah and the ugh from the Pitt offense. It's more of the what the bleep are they doing? From the pit offense. How can you justify? And when I say you, I mean Pat Narduzzi. How could Pat Narduzzi justify keeping Frank Signetti on this staff in 2024? He didn't have Kenny Pickett. That was Mark Whipple. Pat Narduzzi didn't like how much Mark Whipple was throwing it because Pitt plays a brand of football. Pitt plays the we're going to punch you in the teeth football. We're going to win games 13 to 9. We're going to make sure that you cry out the door. That's hard-nosed grit pit football. Steel City football. Let's not go to a passing offense and come with the times that college football is coming to. Let's rebrand ourselves. Let's make sure that our defense is the highlight and the focal point. Look, we have Kalijah Kansi. It's an All-American first-round draft pick in the NFL at D-tackle. We have six, count them, six NFL players on our defense. This is 2022. Kalijah Kansi, Haba Baldonado, Deslin Alexander, Brandon Hill, Eric Hallett, Servasier Dennis. Now I get it, only a few of them were drafted, but still. Practice squad, you make it to somewhere. Somebody thought of you enough to give you a hat for at least training camp or rookie mini camp, whatever it was. They gave you a hat. They brought you in. They thought highly of you, at least enough to do that. So I will count six, count them six, NFL players on that 22 defense and plenty more that left from that ACC championship team in 21 and even more that left 
after the 2020 season where they were building that block, so to speak, for the ACC championship. So you lose all these players to the NFL off of this defense. That's one thing. But then you go back into the transfer portal for another quarterback only to piss off the previous transfer portal quarterback that you had here in 2022 with that NFL caliber defense. Let's be honest. They, they were amazing in terms of getting sacks and pressuring the quarterback. Good run-stopping defense. Only to chase that guy out and hit the reset button again on your quarterbacks. But for what reason? What was the reason for doing all that? Is this a Frank Signetti project? And if it is, then you have to look at Frank Signetti. Let's call a spade a spade here. Pitt's offense is terrible. By every measurable facet. Rodney Hammond, whether he's banged up or not, like he was at the start of the season, I don't know. I just don't know what his health status is as we sit here with two games to play in the season going into week 12. I don't know Rodney Hammond's health status, but what I can say is if he is healthy, he was getting criminally misused and underused at the beginning of the season. Now, He carried the ball 12 times against Syracuse for 43 yards. And Sebo Flemister, the guy named the team captain, the guy Pat Narduzzi has backed up emphatically, publicly, three carries for four yards, the team captain. So you build this foundation on the running game. Your quarterback play is not there. These wide receivers that were supposed to be excellent, who, by the way, I wasn't high on. You could roll back the tape to the preseason. You can roll back the tape to the summer and the spring. I have not been high on these wide receivers. And aside from a couple of good games from Bub Means, this wide receivers room has still shown me virtually nothing. As a whole. And now you got a bad quarterback situation again because you keep wavering Christian Vayer and Nate Yarnell. And the offensive coordinator should be on thin ice. You can't finish dead last in yards and dead last in points a year after having a bad passing offense and getting by, and I do mean getting by, by the ACC leading rusher. You can't have all of that and retain the coordinator. It's not possible. Now, crazier things have happened. See Pittsburgh Steelers. See Pittsburgh Steelers. Just look to the next door neighbor on South Water Street where Matt... Canada is still employed by that football team. That's another podcast. Tune into the Southside Beat for more Matt Canada. Like that plug right there. Frank Signetti can't be the offensive coordinator at Pitt next year. I'm not fire the guy guy. I'm not the guy that's going to fire up a microphone and immediately call for somebody's job unless it's warranted. I've seen enough. Plain and simple here. I've seen enough this season. You saw the signs develop last season where this guy ain't it. Where does Pitt go from here? Maybe go find a bridge that Pat Narduzzi has not burned and pick up an offensive coordinator that way. Or promote from within. There's options, obviously. But those options have to be explored. And you can argue, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, 
with Gary Morgan in coming weeks and right after the pit football season concludes and over the offseason, that more of the coaching staff, particularly on the offense, has to be considered, I'll say, for replacement. I think it's arguable at this stage. There's so much to go into with this put fo- with this pit football team. And so, there's quite frankly so much that's just so frustrating and agitating because you would think that winning an ACC championship two years ago, going from 11 wins to this is impossible. It just goes to show how quick things change and how different of a feel you can pick up for a football program in college football where everything's evolving by the millisecond. Everything's evolving like it's now. It just goes to show how fast things do change. You could build a winner. Pat Narduzzi did it. You could also break it down just as quick, if not quicker. And in most times, like we're seeing with this pit team, it has come down and collapsed within two seasons. If you want to listen to more of the H2P podcast, you could find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify. We're going to try to roll these streams and these recordings on Saturdays so we can have shows on Sundays uh, from this point forward. And of course, with basketball season, we'll talk more about the Panthers hoops team off to a great start. Bub Carrington, obviously the historic triple double debut. Pitt is two and zero after wins over North Carolina A and T and Binghamton, and so far so good for Jeff Capel's squad. But we're gonna get through football first, and so is Pitt. Two games to go. Pitt hosts Boston College Thursday. And they're at Duke the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And then the 2023 season will come to a close. So for the H2P podcast, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening. Cheers, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.